Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, come on, 11 o'clock. Y'all are better than that. Let's try that again. Maybe I caught you off guard. Like, what's going to happen after the bumper? I'm going to talk to you. Good morning, everybody. That's what I'm talking about. That's so good. Good morning to those watching online. For those of you who I do not know and you're asking why he's so bossy already, I'm sorry. But my name is Nick Person. I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New Vision. And I'm so excited about this Christmas season. And I'm not just saying that because I'm supposed to. I'm saying that because I really do feel that. And hopefully, if you're not there yet, if you are not excited about the holiday season, Hopefully, we'll make some strides and some steps to get there because we in this season, as we start this new series called Behold the Light, we really get to behold the light. We just sang about it, and now we get to be about it. And so I'm excited that we get to kick off this series today. And today, we are going to address a question that has been asked for many, many, many Christmases. And really, the person who penned this question, who wrote this song, his name is Mark Lowry, and he was asking this question over and over and over again, and so we're going to address it today, everybody, so get ready. This is the question. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, girl, did you know? I added the girl part. <laughs> that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you delivered would soon deliver you. Tell me, Mary, did you know? We were talking about this song in our sermon planning meeting this week, and I got some new insight because honestly, this is probably, and I know some people love this song, this is probably one of my least favorite songs ever. Because I'm like, yes, she knew. Move on. Anyways. <laughs> but this week I got some new insight. And, and, and my friend said to me, hey, he said, hey, Nick, you know, she didn't know always. Like when she was younger, she didn't know. And I was like, you know what? That's fair. Initially, she didn't know. But eventually she did, everybody. Eventually she saw and got to experience all that this invitation she was given, what it would yield. But for me, the most ironic thing about this story is not if she knew or not, but the way she responded when she found out. The way she responded when she's given this news in, in Luke chapter 1 is truly amazing. And Mary's response was this, hallelujah and amen. And maybe you're not familiar with those words, and maybe you don't know what those words mean, and so I'm going to help us all be on the same playing field. Hallelujah means this, God be praised, and amen means so be it. So Mary's response was, God, no matter what you're inviting me into, I am going to trust you. To you get all praise and glory, and let it be so. And as we look at this story, as we see how Mary responded, hopefully it would lead us to respond in a similar way. May we be a people, no matter what we're walking through, no matter what we're going through, no matter what storm, no matter what valley, be a people that are able to live in such a posture that is hallelujah and amen. Because we know that our king is on the throne and we know that he is up to something and we have seen it in the evidence of even the Christmas story. 
Paul David Tripp in his Advent study says this. You see, the Christmas story is the world's best love story. It's about a God of love sending the son of his love to live a life of love and die a death of love so that all who believe in him would be welcomed into the arms of his love forever and ever. Let's pray. Father God, I pray in this moment for those in the room, for those watching online, I pray in this moment that we will make an intentional choice for our walls to come down, that we not formulate arguments of why we don't need to receive your word, but may we be a people that are open to your word. May our walls be down and may our hearts be open to receive your seed of truth that you desire for us to take with us today. And may this seed of truth yield some beautiful fruit in its due time. Jesus, thank you for this example of Mary. Thank you that she gives a posture in which we can walk in as well. And may it be said of us that we are a people that walk in the posture of hallelujah and amen. To God be the glory and let it be so. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles or whatever it is you read God's word with. Go to Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick up on this story in verse number 26. And if you're looking for Luke, if you go to the New Testament and go Matthew, Mark, Luke is the third gospel in the New Testament that will help you get there. Let me give you some background of what's going on. The angel Gabriel, the messenger of God, is going and making a couple of stops to some of God's people. The first stop he made is to a young lady named Elizabeth. Well, she's not young, actually. I just, an older lady named Elizabeth. And this priest named Zachariah. His second stop is to Mary, this teenage girl. The first stop with Zachariah and Elizabeth, the angel Gabriel says to them, hey, you're going to have a baby. Even though you are old, Elizabeth, God's going to do something. Zechariah's response wasn't one of faith. It was one of going, do you know how old my wife is? It ain't possible. And so Gabriel told Zechariah, because of your lack of faith, you are not going to utter a word until this baby is born. And you can hear Elizabeth in the background going, hallelujah and amen. Let it be so, Lord, let it be. And so then Gabriel's second stop, as he made the stop to Elizabeth and to Zechariah, telling them of what God was going to do, his second stop on this tour was to this young girl named Mary. And we're going to pick up on the story in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. All right, let's pause in verse number 28. The angel of light appears. Angels were intimidated beings. And so this angel appears to this teenage girl, and he says, greetings. What's going on, Mary? How you doing? 
Like you have to imagine that this probably caught her off guard by a little bit. Wouldn't you imagine that? Like she probably as a teenager doing whatever you would do as a teenager back in the day, this angel is interrupting what is going on and the best he came up with, greetings, hey girl, hey. (laughs) And then verse 29, I love this verse. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I love that Mary was real and honest with her emotions and she stewarded them correctly. I love the fact that she was like, whoa, I don't know what this greeting is. I know this is going to impact my life in a great way. And so I'm going to feel all the things I need to feel and I'm going to steward those emotions. She felt what was going on. And I wrote this note down. Don't fake it, but faith it. Let me say it again. Don't fake it, but faith it. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is we, maybe I'm just talking about myself, I often am not really that honest when people ask me how I'm doing. I know you're always forthtelling, you're always honest. If you had a fight in the car with your family before you got to church and someone said, how are you? You'd be like, I wouldn't, Nick, you won't believe. I almost left my kid on the side of the road because he forgot his shoes again. Like, I get it. A lot of times what happens, you walk into a place like this and you go, someone goes, how are you? And you go, I'm fine. Everybody's fine. The house is on fire, but we're fine. (laughs) Like, that's how we are. We don't necessarily bend towards the truth. What I love about Mary is she's showing us a proper, really a proper posture as to how we should live. Guys, we are allowed to feel all the feelings. There are some days, everybody, that aren't good. There are some days where you're like, I'm sad. There are some days where it's not always just everything is wonderful. There are days where you are just like, whoo, I wanted to stay in the bed today because today is so hard. We aren't called to fake it. We are called to faith it. In spite of what's going on, in spite of what we're walking through, we know that the Lord is still working. We can be honest about it. We can be forthtelling about it. We can allow people to walk into that with us. We don't have to hide what is true. We get to be transparent, and we get to be honest, and we get to be real. We don't have to fake it, but we are called to faith it, to walk in faith, trusting that even though the valleys come and the storms come, we know that the king is on his throne. See, the holidays for me is really, really hard. Eight years ago, my brother passed away, my older brother. He was my person. And what I mean by that, the person that knows you, knows everything about you, and they still like you, he was my person. He would encourage me. He would tell me what was truth. He was my person. So every holiday season, y'all, I am sad. I am. When it comes to Thanksgiving, I am sad. Why? Because someone who was so near and dear to me is now with our Father in heaven, and I miss him every single year. And I'm sad. But can I tell you, when I sit across from somebody who has experienced loss and I'm able to relate to them, I see the evidence of God using the most painful and the most broken of circumstances and situations, and he is redeeming that. So I can walk in faith knowing that no hurt is wasted, no scar will be wasted, no wound will be wasted if surrendered into the hands of the king. So you don't have to fake it. You've been called to faith it. Tony Evans said this as we walk 
in this posture. Whenever God allows something that is not pleasant, remember that it is also not random. He has a purpose. Trust him. Obedience is hard. Can I get an amen? Like, it is hard. I tell you what, it is easy to talk about. Y'all, I could write an amazing post on Instagram about some faith and obedience. But the problem with that is then I get an opportunity to walk it out, and it's not so pretty. See, I have found for myself that I'm typically obedient to the point of inconvenience. As long as you don't disrupt my comfort, Lord, my yes is on the table. As long as it doesn't cost me too much and I'm willing to walk with you. As long as it goes along with my plans, then I will approve your plans for my life. But we don't see that with Mary. Mary said, you know what? I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to walk in your ways. This is not going to be easy. It won't always be convenient, but I know who is on the throne of my life. Lord, I, I will pray sometimes, y'all, and be like, Lord, use me. Use my life. And then the Lord has the audacity to start using me. And you know what I do? I don't worship him. I complain. God, what are you doing? I'm just doing what you asked me to do. No, 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 no. Easy, Lord. I wanted it to be convenient and comfortable. Can I just tell you? And this is just honest. A lot of the times, obedience is messy and inconvenient, everybody. And it's sometimes not what you expected. And typically, it's not what you would have thought of or chosen to do, but the Lord doesn't use it any less. We can trust him because he is on his throne. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Why do people tell you not to be afraid when they jump out and scare you? Why? Don't be scared. Then why'd you just yell at me? Right? The angel goes, hey, do not be afraid. I know I just appeared out of nothing, and I'm intimidating Mary, but be cool, girl. Everything's fine. Mary, you have found favor with God. Everybody, underline that, highlight that, whatever you got to do to come back to it later. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor. Now verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. So in verse 30, this angel says to Mary, hey, Mary, you are highly favored. God wants to use you. God is going to do something with your life. And then verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Hey, Mary, you're going to be a teenage mom. You go, girl. You are highly favored. God's hand is on your life. Now you're going to be ridiculed by your friends. Praise him. Like, that doesn't make sense. It's almost as I read them, like, are those verses supposed to be next to each other? Because for me, when I think of favor and God's hand of favor on my life, I think God's about to invite me to go on a cruise on Carnival. Praise him! But that's not typically the case. See, trouble is not a sign that the Lord is not present. Trouble sometimes is evidence that he's very much in the mix and he is doing something and working something out for his glory and your good. But man, hey, you are highly favored. You are favored enough for me to trust you to walk in this way. When he says you will call him Jesus, 
It's the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. The angels are saying, hey, Mary, you're going to have a child, and you're to call him the Lord saves, because through your son, the masses and humanity will be saved. Mary, this is an inconvenient invitation, but it is worth it. The little boy in which you are going to conceive, he is going to change history and eternity. And as I think about the role Mary is going to play in the role of what God is doing in his kingdom, it reminds me of this quote by Andy Stanley, and it says this, Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Can I just tell you, God wants to use every aspect of your life. It doesn't mean that your identity is rooted in what your kids do. What it does mean is that if we are willing to walk with the king and say hallelujah and amen and fix our eyes, he will use every aspect of our life. And maybe, just maybe, you might be raising a world changer. Because Mary got the opportunity to raise a son that would change the world. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary was invited to play a part in building a kingdom that will last forever. Pause. We are invited to play a part at building a kingdom that will last forever. Maybe y'all didn't hear me because that response was kind of lame. Let me try again. We, broken people who were far from the king, but he stepped near to us, and when we surrendered the throne of our life to him, allowed the Holy Spirit to dwell with us, therefore using us to build a kingdom that will last forever. We get to be a part of that, y'all. It's all right. Some of y'all are going to have to tell your face how to really feel later. That's pretty good news. And so he was married. She's like, whoa, I am going to be used to build a kingdom that has no end. Hallelujah and amen. See, she's recognizing that this position she had been given was not punishment, but it really was God positioning his glory to take center stage. And she got to be a part of it. We get to be a part of building a kingdom that will last forever. So did Mary. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? That's a fair question. Would y'all agree? See, Mary just went, hold on, Gabe. Hold on. (laughs) Last week, I had that awkward science class that no one tells you you have to go into. But that happened last week. And the professor, they said things that I didn't want to hear. And I went home and I told my mom, and I was like, Mama, you won't believe. Woo! So, Gabe, I don't know about this. How can this be? Because this doesn't make sense, and it doesn't seem possible, because this is not the way things are normally done. Have you ever been there? You've been in this opportunity, this position where you're going, Lord, this doesn't make sense. I thought you were going to do fill in the blank, but this doesn't seem the pathway to that. 
Lord, this is inconvenient. This is messy. Are you sure? God, why would you do this? And then Gabriel's going to respond with this. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Everybody's talking about how old homegirl is. Good grief. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in the sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. See, what Gabriel does is he gives Mary a history lesson. He goes, let me show you the evidence of how God moves and works. And he is reminding Mary and he's reminding us of this truth right here and right now. The king is trustworthy, everybody. Let me say it again. The king is trustworthy. Sometimes we forget to look at what he's already done in the face of the present circumstance and situation. The king is trustworthy. You might be going, Nick, it's so hard to remember. Here's something that we all can remember. The tomb is empty and the king is seated at the right hand of his father. And because of that, we know he is trustworthy. We have to remember well. And we have to remember that the picture is revealed one pixel at a time. As you walk and you trust, the picture becomes more and more clear. But it might not be clear right now. But I promise you it's a masterpiece. I promise you as it comes into focus, that doesn't mean easy. It doesn't mean convenient. It just means that the Lord knows what he is doing. Then verse 38, it might be my, one of my favorites and least favorite verses all in one. Mary says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. See, Mary remembered who she was and who she was. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Her response was hallelujah and amen. Praise be to God and let it be so because I trust you. See, what's amazing to me about this text and as we read this story is what was yielded by the pressing. See, this is a hard situation for a teenage girl or even a girl who is older to know that you're going to have a baby and he's going to be the savior of the world and you get to raise him. And eventually you're going to have to surrender that son to die a death that you couldn't die and no one else was able to die because we had fallen short. She was going to surrender this child to redeem what was lost. That's a lot to take. But when Mary was pressed, what was revealed was trust. Can I tell you, some of the best things are yielded in the pressing, but the pressing is always, always revealing. When I'm pressed, sometimes I don't like to see what is yielded, but the pressing is a part of the process. In order for an olive to yield the best of its oil, it has to be pressed. In order for a grape to yield its sweet essence, it has to be pressed. 
Because there's something about the pressing and something that the pressing yields that, that can't be yielded in any other way. Y'all, I don't like the pressing. I don't like hard things. I don't like the messiness. I don't like inconvenience. Sometimes one of the chief idols of my life is comfort. And when the Lord disrupts that and reminds me that it's not about a life of comfort, but it's a life of reflecting the king, I do not like it. But I am learning that what is yielded and how the Lord leverages it is worth it. That he knows what he is doing. And that he himself gave me an example of what truly can be yielded even through the pressing. For us, redemption was yielded by the pressing of the king. And through this hard situation and circumstance for Mary... The king was yielded. The savior of the world. Is it convenient? No. Is it costly? Yes. But it is worth it. Why? Because he is using it for his glory and for our good. And we see that at the heart of this Christmas story. Paul David Tripp words it this way. The majesty of the patient and forgiving love of this story defies words. The implications of this birth are not only transformational to the cosmos, but also eternal in their extent. This is the story of Jesus born in a barn in Bethlehem, the Messiah, the earth cried for now cries to be held by Mary and will soon cry in torment of the cross of salvation. He came to suffer because he came to save. The angels sang because finally hope had come. Don't you want to join them? Mary's response was yes and amen. Hallelujah and amen. Let it be so. Jesus' response was hallelujah and amen. I will do what my father has called me to do to win what was lost. Here in just a moment after I pray, we are going to partake in the family meal where we're going to take a glimpse of this light in our hands and we are going to behold it as we share a meal together. And I pray that it will lead us to a place where we say hallelujah and amen because of the king, we are willing and we will be obedient. So if you would, right where you are, I want you to bow your heads. Jesus, in this moment, as we walk a little slower, as we behold this light that we're about to hold in our hands, Lord, I love that Mary was told of this light that was coming and that has always been, that eventually she was going to get to hold in her arms, and this light would never go out. It would light for generations to come and never be extinguished. And Jesus, because of that light, we get to behold your sacrifice and your willingness in our hands. And may us, fixing our eyes on you, may it change us and may we truly behold it. And may our response be hallelujah and amen. Praise be to God and let it be so, no matter what comes our way. Jesus, we love you. 
Jesus, thank you that you have set the table, you have prepared the meal, you have pulled our chair out, and you have invited us to sit at your table as a son and daughter of a king. May we remember well. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. We're going to begin passing the elements. And as the elements are passed, I want you to think about a couple of different things. See, what Jesus was going to do in the midst of his closest friends and followers was he was going to take something that had been so familiar to them, this Passover meal, but he was going to reveal to them who he really was. See, this meal would have been something that those disciples would have been a part of several times. But yet here they were with Jesus, and Jesus was going to take something that they had grown so accustomed to, and he was going to really was in the partaking of those elements. And so Jesus was reclining with his disciples, a very comfortable spot because he was with his closest friends. And the bread and the wine had been in the room and they probably knew it was coming. But again, they had grown so familiar that it probably didn't stand out to them. And then Jesus gets up and he's going to take this bread, something that was familiar and something that had been around, and he was going to reveal to them and give them a preview of all that he came to do. So he stood in their midst and he grabbed the bread. And he told them, this bread is not just bread, but this bread represents my body. And he broke the bread and he said, this bread that is broken represents my body that's going to be broken on your behalf. And in their midst, he took it and they ate. And then he grabbed the wine, which was made through the process of pressing and he took that wine in their midst, and he said, this wine is not just wine. It represents my blood that's going to be poured out on your behalf. And he took the wine, and they drank. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken on our behalf. Lord, thank you for your blood that was poured out on our behalf. Lord, thank you that you coming into a crooked and depraved world and being the light was a glimpse of what was to come. Because Jesus, you surrendered your life to win what was lost and then you put that very light within all who call you king. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, may we be a people that remember well and walk well. And may the posture we walk in be of one that is hallelujah 
and amen. Praise be to God and let it be so. Because we are reminded that you truly do go before us, that you truly are with us, and you truly do have our back. And so what could come our way that intimidates you? Nothing. So hallelujah and amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for inviting us to dine at your table and become as your son and as your daughter. May it be so. And praise be to you. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. So if you continue reading Luke chapter 1, you will see that Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And in that text, you will see that a very pregnant Elizabeth, the child in her womb, when Mary walks into the room, he leaps. Because even this child in the womb knew that Jesus was in the midst. And then after that moment, Mary walks away and she is writing a worship song. Why? Because she was responding to the goodness of God, even though the news was inconvenient, but the news really ultimately still was good. Because the Savior that was promised was about to show up on the scene and change the course of history. And so I'm sure Mary was like, let's go. God, I trust you. Let it be so. Praise be to God. And a lot of times when I would think about that, I would just think Mary was like, she hit those things in her heart, and she was like, oh, that's so good. But I really think it was a worshipful moment for Mary, and she walked out of there singing a song, hallelujah and amen. So I invited Daniel and our team to sing a song where I kind of feel like was a proper fitting response to what God was up to and what God was going to do and how he was going to use her. And she was like, hallelujah and amen. And I feel like the response was probably a bit like this. So Daniel, help us out. Help us see a glimpse of what hallelujah and amen looks like. Go ahead. <laughs> 